Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Dubsy dub, dubsy dub. I really enjoyed last week's podcast, like the starting of this, the formation of the NWO. It was such a ridiculously terrible yet hilariously fun show to start on with Slambury. I'm so excited for this this run of 10 shows. I, I know, so I said it on the, on the Facebook page that we've been wanting to do this big long run f- for ages. And I, I'm just so excited because also from a selfish standpoint, it's a lot easier to remember the notes about having to write them down. <laughs> at, yeah. B- because, you know, as it's going to be sequential, a lot of the stuff that we saw on this the episode we're covering this week, which we'll get to shortly, yeah, there's call back to last week's episode. So if you enjoyed last week's podcast, you're with us for the journey. It's great. I am a massive fan of uh, knowing what happened last week without having to research it or taking a shot in the dark or just from memory of wrestling I've seen before. I'm a big fan of this series thing. Like, let's when we get to it's the, the end future. of it, let's <laughs> decide whether we're going to continue to do this sort of thing. But um, I'm going to be honest, this episode of WCW Monday Night Nitro, number 36 on the 20th of May 1996, I had a lovely time watching this. This was delightful for me. I mean, obviously that this was the last Nitro that wasn't two hours long, which again we'll get to in mm. our notes in, in the pod. We're still in Louisiana, so the fans are still pretty much up for the show, which is nice. And as we said, we've got the fallout from Slambury 96 and the lethal lottery that no one remembers the name of. Is <laughs> I've got like 10 of them written down, I think, somewhere because there's so many different names for it. Um, is this the first Nitro we've covered on the World of Wrestling podcast? I know we've done pay-per-views, but I don't think we've done a Nitro. Did we yeah. do the Nitro where Goldberg won the belt from Hogan? I don't think we did, did we? We talked about no, it. No, we didn't do... Did we do anything? We didn't do that with Pillman either, because we did a we did a pay per view with Pillman, didn't we? Pretty sure we did WCW pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So our first Nitro, mate. Like it was the run hour on the network is like an hour and ten minutes. When I saw it was an hour and ten minutes, I was like, oh, beautiful. <laughs> it's just really disposable and consumable rather than disposable. Sorry, that's the wrong word. I mean, some would argue it could be disposable. <laughs> you might have a point. So, uh, again, this was live on TNT. Uh, we've got 4,000 people apparently in the arena. It looks pretty full from what I saw. Yeah, and, and a hyped crowd, as we sort of mentioned. They were in Baton Rouge last night for Slambury. Uh-huh. We're now in Monroe, Louisiana. And, yeah, it, look, it looks really full. Whether or not they're paid tickets, as we've heard from all <laughs> along and all the Monday Night War stuff where they've papered the seats and it's free tickets or get a free ticket to wcw with a slushy <laughs> that's how five star tried to sell things and they realize it's winter and no one drinks slushies in the winter ticket and a hot dog that's how wrestling works isn't it uh, no that's what payment is <laughs> exactly <laughs> ticket to the next show and a hot dog hey well aren't i working the next show not after that performance yeah fucking a so commentary tonight it's nitro 96 and i was like hmm I wonder who's on commentary. So we've got Bobby Heenan I was going to say, before you jump onto commentary, because I I know we sort of had this uh, quite a few, well, I say we had three of the titles on the line at Slambury, 
to set the scene of where we are and the formation of the NWM, potentially what happens later. So we know we've got the giant who apparently in this episode of Nacho rediscovered the, the word the in his name. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the giant been, um, yeah. He's got the big gold belt and he won that off Flair in uh, late April. Uh, Conan has held the, the US strap since January. The World Tax Champs, as we uh, sort of, I think it was mentioned briefly in the main event of Slambury, is Luger and Sting. They've held them again since January. But interestingly, everyone's favorite professional wrestler, Lex Luger, is actually a double champ because he's currently the TV champion. Good C's defending it on this episode of Nitro, which he's not. Mate, when he came and out I- with the two belts on this show, I was like, how the fuck did he get two of them? <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously, Dean Malenko has won the Cruiser belt very recently. So they are our champions at this time. Uh, did you manage to see if they had the TV championship yet? No, that's well, that's what Luca's got. That's his second oh, belt. Oh, so who's the US? Conan. Oh, it is Conan. Wow. Okay, they they have way too many mid card titles, even at this time. Like way too many. I know WWE have a ton, but they have like three brands that they split them across. This is just Nitro, essentially. Yeah, and and, and this time it was an hour show. This was a special show for Nitro because they they seem to pump this up once we go for the commentators. Well, it's like it's an hour and a half, so yeah. this seemed to be a a big thing. Did you realize why? What? Why it was an hour and a half? It was it was leading to NBA playoffs, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I wrote down who it was, and I'm sure I mentioned it later. But it's the NBA playoffs are at this time, so they've only got a 90 minute show. Bischoff puts it over on commentary at one point. He goes, oh, we've got a special 90-minute show for you tonight. <laughs> like, very nice, very subtle. But I don't know if that's because it was an hour. Uh, no, no, the, the whole show was two, but they, obviously on the network it's down to one and a bit with adverts. Oh, no, no, I mean in general, because they seem to make a big thing that Nitro's going to two hours oh. on TNT from next week. So I di- that's the thing I didn't find out in my research, whether or not that this Nitro being an hour and a half was any different because I think Nitro was just was an hour prior to this because we're only 36 episodes in uh, to Nitro's run on TNT. It's doing okay in the ratings. So the fact it's now being bumped to two hours, sorry, increased to two hours, I think this is a new thing because Raw only used to be an hour Mm -hmm. in the early days, didn't it? You had three matches on it. As long as we're not watching three-hour Nitros, I think we'll be fine. We're okay in 96. <laughs> so our I'm commentary- glad I don't have a job where I have to watch a three-hour Raw every week like you do. Uh, well, I'm meant to at least. <laughs> I'm only the editor. The other guys do it. I just put it together. So the commentary team tonight are Bobby Heenan. Thank God he's returning. Eric Bischoff is doing our main play-by-play. Not Shaboni. Can you describe the appearance of Bischoff? I will in a minute. But that's that's the main commentary team. They are joined by someone later in the evening, but we'll, we'll get to that later. So, nostalgia fills the air as the classic Nitro intro kicks in. The miniature set is on fire. <laughs> People projected <laughs> onto buildings. Explosions, fire, the WCW Monday Nitro TNT logo. It, I'm goosebumps, mate. Like, I know it's nostalgia for us because we saw it not in 96. But in 98, I was watching it the first time around. It was still the same intro at the time, you know? The exploding traffic light was oh, always a yeah. thing that stood there with me. <laughs> it's really well done, you know? I, I just think fire in a wrestling in- intro is excellent. I know we always harp back to 
this is nostalgia. It's, it's no, it's nowhere near the level of Rory's War with Austin walking through and everyone having that massive ruck in a car park or whatever it was, or on the bu- <laughs> the roof building, the roof building, the roof, the roof of building. the building, <laughs> the monster. Truck I love, I love it when I work in a roof building as opposed to those <laughs> buildings of no roofs and I get rained on. It's not very uh, posh accountancy firm. We've got no ceiling, mate. I tell you what, I, the, the, the office I'm in uh, between my home office and the actual work office, um, to not sell out my employer, uh, we obviously lease this old building that we're currently in, and it's been leaking. It always mm-hmm. leaks. Every time it rains, it leaks all over the photocopier, nice and safe. Um, the, the ceiling in the tax room I work in is starting to bow a bit, and they had the surveyor come round in the week, and he said, one of the partners said to the receptionist, if he asked if the building leaks, tell him no. <laughs> When you said the tax room, I was like, oh, that's your room. It is. <laughs> and and that's where sometimes I film my promos from the tax office. It's all just like, you know, accountancy, like exchequer shit from the 60s and then just a wrestling ring. <laughs> so Yeah, but it's it's actually made of just like old files. I've just put a tarp <laughs> over the top of these old files. So anyone slams them on the corner, the ring collapses. We're creating quite the world on this podcast, aren't we? <laughs> We've got quite the imagination. The world I want to live in. Put it. <laughs> So Eric Bischoff is wearing a denim waistcoat with a mm. black button-up shirt. Ooh, he looks like a dad about to go on a holiday. He looks like he should definitely be wearing socks and sandals. Yeah, and and it's not a collared shirt. No, oh, no. no, no, no. It's like a long sleeve tee with buttons on it. I mean, denim waistcoat, mate. You're missing the important bit here. I mean, again, I've eBay one of these and i found one for 3.99 and i may be doubling <laughs> eric bishop welcomes us to the show not shivoni again where the fuck is shivoni why is he not doing the play-by-play well i, I thought that with shouty bishop as the show went on yeah i mean they sound quite similar except heenan you can tell and, and bishop's doing this for the whole thing everything even a magazine advert but so is shivoni though when he's doing commentary and if he's just taking the piss and not talking about the wrestling which happens Differing a lot tone, on though. this fucking show jesus christ <laughs> anyway eric bishop welcomes us to the show once again we are coming to you live as live as live as you can get there's Kane Pyro on the corner posts. Did you notice this? Yeah. Two years before Kane's debut, WCW are putting Pyro on the corner posts. Just to throw that out there. Here on TNT, WCW Monday Nitro on the heels of Slamboree. And what a night we had last night. I love that sentence. <laughs> he then goes on, what a night we're going to have tonight. <laughs> and you're like, stop saying night. Hello everybody, I'm Eric Bischoff, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, and as you can see, no Steve McMichael, and for a very good reason. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to be the one to say it, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's currently fired. I mean, wait, what? So they they put over on commentary, the NFL guys are going to meet the challenge of Arn and Flair, but it's, it's not on this show, they just are putting it over for some reason. Oh, it's it's a bash at the beach. It's at Bash at the Beach. Oh no, sorry, Great American Bash That's is it, what they, it, they hyped it, yeah. us. And and Bischoff's words are Mongo's off training. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Has he ever it. trained? So we get a quick <laughs> recap of uh Slamboree. They go over the Mongo flare on and the guy with the rat's tail, what's his name? 
Kevin Green. Yeah, and they're going to have a tag match at some point. It seems odd that after everything that's going on in WCW at this time, this is the storyline they're concentrating on. But I think it's Bischoff seeing, you know, stars in his eyes. It's it's the NFL. It's these celebrities that are part of the, the programming, you know? Yeah, and Kevin Green, through what they said on this show, he's months removed from playing in a Super Bowl. So he's a current talent for the Carolina Panthers, who sure. I assume at the time played football. On Slam, <laughs> sure. On Slamboree, like, and even the bits that they show here, they recap. Like Mongo looks very awkward and out of place. Kevin Green is, he's he's focused and he's very aggressive, so it kind of works for him. When we've seen Kevin Green, because I'm sure one of the WCW pay per views we've covered had Kevin Green wrestling on it, and he looked good. But the problem was. For, for Kevin Green's career, I think he got to wrestle maybe two matches before the before the Panthers turned around and went, "What? <laughs> You're doing what?" <laughs> I remember you saying this actually. Yeah. So we've got the classic Nitro sets, like the entrance ramp bit, like where they walk out. It's got like three sets of lights, kind of like the AEW setup where it looks like a tunnel, almost like an optical illusion. You've got massive WCW logos either side of it, looking like almost like uh, not hubcaps, but this thing that covers a drain cover that has the little pattern on drain it. cover <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> one of those things yeah. i'll remember it eventually uh it's just really great looking man the amount of pyro and the commentary position up there with its own little stand and everything there's the sets fucking great man it's proper 90s pro wrestling i've always liked the commentary booth being away from the ring okay i again the not the wcw setups always i've always enjoyed it I've never understood, though. I like commentary booth away from the ring. I don't understand why the commentary booth has been set up with their back to the ring. Yeah, I thought that I, was I assume from a, I was going to say, I assume from a production standpoint, it's so you can see things going on, like people exiting the ring mm-hmm. while they, they throw back to the commentators. But to me, you don't want to see, like, he'll be walking away with the referee and having a nice chat. So having the commentators away from me, and it also gives away the illusion that they're actually watching the action live in the ring rather than just on the monitors we all know they do it but what's that eyes in the back of your head (laughs) occasionally you do get to cut to them not on this show and all i can think about but i've definitely seen moments of wcw where they cut to the commentary team and then they all turn around from the ring to the camera that's quite a nice moment sometimes hi i'm ed winchester (laughs) (laughs) first up one is fire one is ice. Do you get it? <laughs> it's fire and ice. I'm so happy. My new favorite tag team is all the straight back in. So Scott Norton and Ice Train King Parsons versus <laughs> the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott. I mean, I, th- I thought we had enough t- shitty tag team wrestling on the fucking pay-per-view we just did. But, you know, we have to start on this again. Um. <laughs> Heenan and Bischoff are putting over that Flair's driven Macho crazy. Like they're just talking about Macho and Flair throughout this whole match. Um, the Steiner's music. Tell me about it, mate. Well, it certainly <laughs> isn't. <laughs> it isn't their WWE music that they used to have. Da, 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 da. It's like some kind of uni like hustle. Yeah. Um I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. 
I was more concerned that Scott Steiner's singlet seemed to be getting thinner and thinner <laughs> little straps <laughs> rather than the, the quality of the music. Because when he appeared, Rick Steiner's like, yep, I'm wearing my Steiner singlet. Very good. Yeah. And then what I think's happened is like Bertha Faye must have been backstage. Scott had forgotten his gear and was like, can I borrow that? <laughs> Mate, it's uh, everyone in this match is wearing a singlet. I'm like, oh, 96. Although Scott Norton and Ice Train had the ones which were like, like the cock rockers, <laughs> cock having the really big, having the really big gap down the front to pretty much go uh, down to the pubis, if yeah. you will. And uh, one's blue and one's red. You know, fire and ice. Do you get it? <laughs> All aboard the Ice Man King Parsons train. <laughs> Steiners get some massive spooty pyro as they entrance as they enter. Like the whole fucking stage is covered in silver sparkly pyro. It looks really awesome. <laughs> Rick looks surprised. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dogface Gremlin was not happy. <laughs> this is face versus face, isn't it? Yeah, because Ice Train is clearly being built as a let's go baby face. Mm. I mean, I'm pretty sure even down the entrance ramp, he did the classic baby facing of let's go. Absolutely, yeah. Going up to the That's camera. That's two things from a, from a from a generic baby face standpoint, which I I've grown to hate in independent wrestling. The face coming out and it's either, let's go or come on. <laughs> I mean, if you walk out of a curtain and go, come on, at least everyone knows you're a baby face. So you can see why, but it is I, massively I started by overdone. the end of it going, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably get you over better, you know? Yeah. I didn't expect to see you here. If you're on a show with like, you know, five matches and four of them are all, all going like, come on, as they open the, the through the curtain. But you put your head out and be like, oh, hello, everybody. <laughs> you know? I'll be three lovable. minutes. I'm just p- finishing my baby oil. <laughs> Wait for me. Wink. So the, <laughs> the crowd are really, really into the Steiners. And unfortunately, not so much into fire and ice. I, I can't work out why. Because <laughs> one is Especially fire, one is ice. Fire Do one you is get ice? it? <laughs> I really hope other people have started to find that funny, like we do. Because if not, that's this that's gonna be a really difficult five minutes for everyone. Every time they're on the show, you're gonna get five minutes of me making this joke, so enjoy it. Well, um, the, the, here's some good news, <laughs> dear wrestling fan. Go so on. this match, while there's not really much to speak about in in-ring action other than like Ice Train trying to suplex Scotty, and then Scotty returns a favour by dropping Ice Train on his head. Yeah. Um this is actually um a prelude. Um, I think this isn't the end <laughs> of this interaction. Great. Brilliant. Um, yep. <laughs> so, as you said, Scotty drops Norton on his head a few times. He does a dragon suplex that it was genuinely terrifying. He, like, throws him almost on a 45-degree angle in a dragon suplex. I'm like, It just looks like he's fucked off, doesn't it? Yeah. He's out to hurt him. I mean, it's the Steiners. They probably are. I think it's fair enough. This is the sort of match where, even though it's shit, progress fans would should be chanting "Big Lad Wrestling" <laughs> for the whole match. Did you catch Bischoff referring to Scott Norton by his secondary nickname on this bit of commentary? Oh, I didn't catch that. So Scott Norton's nickname is the Flash Scott Norton. Well, oh. then it should be Flash and Ice, because one of them is Flash and one of them is Ice. I was about to say, this does not fit the gimmick, Eric. <laughs> He's fire, not Flash. Get it right. Oh, Has he never hell. seen Demolition? <laughs> yeah. 
So all four lads end up on the outside. The bell rings. Nick Patrick has probably counted them all out. Who cares? Commentary barely acknowledged that the match is even finished. And that's it. <laughs> You're just like, great opener, boys. Well done. Classic Nitro. But again, from the, stand- from the standpoint of storytelling, the-, the-, the whole arc is they're pushing Flair and Savage as like the lead up to this NFL versus WCW match because we've still got that in the background and as you said yeah. for most of this match it was a case of oh that's a suplex did you know that the Savage is going to be here trying to get in the building oh Flair's not happy about that yeah it's, it's obviously the storyline they're trying to tell over the evening but I have many issues with the story they're trying to tell because it has so many like B and C plots <laughs> as well as like Macho and Flair that it, it's, it's almost illogical at times but it was, you know, it's even the same as Raw was back in the day. You'd have your filler match to start setting up your stories for the for the rest of the show. It, let's think if you're a sure. brand new viewer on TNT, you're watching this as a lead into the NBA playoffs, and you're getting. You might have heard of Ric Flair because he's a pop icon. Savage, you would have heard of. And the fact that if you're doing that to people, go, oh, Randy Savage is here. I thought, he, oh, he was, I thought he was with Hogan. Yeah, it yeah. might be a reason as to why. No, I don't think anything's wrong with it. What I'm saying is that with um, the Ric Flair macho storyline, which is the bit they're trying to push throughout this whole match, is that you've got Mongo, Kevin Green, on, uh, you could say Eddie Guerrero, you could say uh, Liz, you could say Woman, you could say Kevin Sullivan, you could say Big Show, are <laughs> all involved in the storyline as well, which makes no fucking sense because it's impossible to keep track of. But we can't be happy because, you know, we, we always criticise the current product. There's not enough layers to these storylines. It's just repeat matches. WCW just went the other way. I was like, do you think we've got enough layers here? <laughs> no, we need another. We need Kevin Sullivan involved. Oh, hang on. Who's booking this? Oh, is it you, Kevin Sullivan? You're around Flair, are you? It's <laughs> we'll, we'll get to him later. <laughs> so we'll get to another point as well where a, a decision that was made at Slamboree is suddenly changed for fucking no reason on this show. And it's like they have the best plans in the world. And then they get to Monday night and they're like, oh shit, now we can't do that because Hogan doesn't want us to. Or whatever, you know? And so they're like, oh Creative fuck it, just, just go out there really and say this, thing. it'll be fine. And that's the biggest problem with this whole company. At least we get something <laughs> more entertaining next. Match graphics for what's coming up next as we cut to the adverts, and it's going to be Ric Flair against Eddie fucking Guerrero. And do you remember on the last podcast, I was like, if this follows up with anything, that's a match that I want to see. And they gave it to us. I'm so happy. <laughs> but before that, yeah, as, exactly. as a man who likes a shill, mm-hmm. visit Amazon.co.uk, look for World of Wrestling Podcast, buy a t-shirt. There's nothing I enjoy more on a wrestling show, whether it be Chef Boyardee or a terrible advert for KFC. I love it when people shill stuff, and now I got my treat. This is the most cringe advert of all time. So it's an advert for the WCW magazine. So, I mean, we cut to a small child who's evidently doing his homework or something. Uh, That's in Jimmy Hart's dungeon. (laughs) Jerry Lawler. Wrong, wrong one. Jimmy Hart's the but racist. No, Lawler's the paedophile. <laughs> so, you know. Ah, uh, well, you know, it's all much of a muchness. They're all horrible people. <laughs> so, I'd say it's all the same to me. It definitely isn't. No, no, no definitely not. I can't say that. <laughs> so, the small child looks up at the camera and goes, 
wow, this WCW magazine is really cool. But as he says really cool, he magically turns into Sting, who mouths the word really cool. So Sting has the voice of like, what, a 12-year-old child? With a lovely bowl cut. Oh, he's got the beautiful bowl cut here. So, yeah, and then at the end of the ad, Sting turns back into the kid, but the kid is in Stinger paint, and it's Sting's voice. <laughs> and you're like, where's the logic? More importantly, if they're going on about this is really cool, where the hell is Ice Train King Parsons in this advert? Fucking A. You want to sell a magazine? Put Ice Train in there. I had a good laugh at this. I really chuckled at this. <laughs> Especially the kid in the really oversized Sting jacket at the end of the ad. Absolutely. Uh, Fair play to WWE, the people in their video diary and in digital going, should we leave this advert for the magazine in? I can't be fucked to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) For um, episode 100, which we're probably not going to record as episode 100, it'll probably be recorded around episode 150 with the way things are currently going. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about Stinger Paint, mate. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm going to try and find someone who will actually loan us a belt from their promotion to to utilize okay. i am i'm going to get a promotion to create a title i mean i mean there's a few things floating around at wrestle talk i could pinch for a weekend we've still got the king of europe cup just in the office i don't want a cup i want a belt i think all this we've cup got belt shit this is we've, japan we've got the wcw world heavyweight belt there not the real one but like you know a, a fucking fan a listener whatever you want to call it. i find it weird calling them fans so a listener um, I like the fact you called it a fucking fan. <laughs> <laughs> because I, the point I was going to get to is a fucking fan went out and bought us the belt. He just bought us like a full size, like 400 quid replica, like the, the big gold belt, you know. And I remember the first day in the office, I walked in and I was like, you've got the big gold belt. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, we do a fan bought it. And I was like, holy shit. I like this place. I'm not buying your fucking belt. <laughs> fucking A. So, as Bischoff is putting over the NFL bullshit when we come back from the adverts, Eddie Guerrero is making his way to the ring, and I'm like, how dare you? Put over Eddie, you bastard. Um, Young Eddie Guerrero. What a treat. This match. Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair with Elizabeth and Woman. Yes, please. Flair gets the full, like, New Year's Eve pyro display on his way to the ring. I mean, I know Bischoff and Flair have got some heat, even in 96. But if Bischoff is the guy in charge, they're certainly making an effort to make Flair the man, you know? Mainstream crossover yep. for the NFL. Completely agree. Who else have you got? I mean, Hogan is babyface, so he can't be involved as a heel against the good guys from the nfl so who else are you going to have as with name recognition so you want to make sure your your top heel is looking strong but man green rick flair yeah flair wearing green trunks and golden shiny boots damn (laughs) he looks good man it's a great colour, great colour scheme. Obviously, yeah. we got a tease of it. Oh, well, we obviously, I say we've got a tease of it. We've got to see it at Slamboree. But with the full entrance, just solo flair with Elizabeth and woman. Yeah. It was great. And you can imagine being Eddie Guerrero, being like, I'm about to go up against, at this time, the 13-time heavyweight champion of the world. Do you, did you think that Eddie looked a tad nervous? A little bit. I think, he, I think Eddie 
when he's wrestling guys like this, ends up getting really like determined. So it's sometimes hard to tell whether he's nervous or not. I think he's maybe worrying where the flair is going to work with him, you know? And lucky for him, he did. Fucking A, man. So I will say Eddie comes out in a beautiful like red sparkly jacket. And I'm like, oh, he's a Love face, the don't jacket. you know? <laughs> He's just missing the zebra print to make sure we know he's a face. <laughs> but, you know. So a flare on his way to the ring is just saying macho, macho, macho over and over again. Like macho is in his mouth all the time. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Let's move on from that comment. So uh, to me, the opening like gambit, I guess you would say in this match is like an education in how to get the most out of doing very little. It's such basic mat work, but the crowd are eating it up you know we said they weren't overly keen on face versus face tag to start with but obviously you've got flair there so it the crowd are going to be interested but the the psychology and the pacing of just this very very basic map work and one-upsmanship yeah it's a delight it's the nature of the 50 50 back and forth between eddie and flair when you expect flair to dominate straight from the off like you expect there to be a little shine maybe at the beginning, but it's not. It's constantly back and forth. You know, there are eddy spots, there are flare spots, but it's nearly all headlocks and strikes for like minutes and minutes and minutes. And it's it's flare feeding Eddie and then cutting him off. So every time you're like, oh, he's getting the better of Flair, but Flair's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's so smart, man. It's really good. And you could tell the the, the long term thinking this was gonna be a long match because even Eddie was his pace was slow because mm-hmm. then, as you said, every time Flair got the advantage when you think Eddie was going to take it, that's when you know there's the next gear to step up to, and it was so well executed. I wondered whether they were going to phone it in when they're just doing strikes and headlocks for like five minutes, but hell no, <laughs> we got the best of it. So Flair goes for a walk during the match, okay, down the R way, and I noticed again there was this little kind of kink off to the side in the R way. The where, you know, last time um, show didn't slam Sting through the table because Jimmy Hart yep. was there. <laughs> and so it was like, I better put you down on this gentle concrete. You know? <laughs> on this hard concrete, sorry. Anyway, so instead of like a table that had Jimmy Hart on it last time, this time there's a table set up that has flowers and champagne buckets and platters of food. I'm like, what? is that and it does get explained later so i think we'll leave that for now and come back to it right zach ryder's catering and it's zach ryder's (laughs) view of the last five years of his wwe career (laughs) so bischoff tells us that this is the 90 minute special edition of wcw monday night nitro so it was utah versus seattle uh special bonus points do you know who won the nba playoffs in 1996 i bet you do um um think about it michael jordan (laughs) Correct answer. <laughs> it was Michael <laughs> Jordan. There were some other people there as well from Chicago, but you know, it was Michael Jordan that won it. I mean, to be honest, there are only a few basketballers I know from playing Mega Drive games. I think it was like NBA Jam, where if you got three dunks in a row, you are on fire. I think you could slam dunk with your trainers on fire. I think you'll find he's on fire. Best game ever. And that's when I started. So I go, ah, there's a player with. Miller on the back of his shirt. Great. Break kayfabe oh. a bit, but I was like, oh, I can be him. 
<laughs> I realise why you're saying that. I'm not going to say it on the pod because, you know, kayfabe. But, it's good. But, um, but more importantly, would you believe that I was never of the standard? <laughs> 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 so talking about not of the standard, uh, Bischoff on commentary starts chatting with Heenan about how Flair's got 13, 15 title runs or whatever. And Bischoff kind of goes, well, if you count that other place, and Bischoff goes, they don't count as real championships. They're not <laughs> wrestling titles. And I'm like, how dare you, Mr. Bischoff? <laughs> Shots fired. With the way you treated your belt over the years, like, oh, I think it's worse than WF were treating their belts in the 90s. What, just as like Coke holders? <laughs> Certainly treat it better than a Divas title. Bloody hell, yeah, Paige. Me. I mean, the worst treating, treatment of a title is WCW's World Heavyweight Belt in 2000, right? I don't know. Brad Maddox spaffing all over that Divas <laughs> title. <isn't great. laughs> Jesus. Okay, you win. Fair enough. <laughs> so... <clears throat> As the match progresses, how do we progress from that? <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay, so as the match progresses, Flair takes over when Eddie crashes and burns on a dive to the outside. Flair working over Eddie's knee. Eddie manages somehow to hit the frog splash, but hurts his knee and can't cover Flair. Classic. Classic, classic storytelling. At this point, the crowd is like begging for Eddie to get the win. Like, it's really impressive stuff here. Figure four by Flair. Woman gives Flair the extra leverage from the outside. Wrestling. <laughs> I have always loved the science behind this. But because I can pull on hands, look at the pain I'm exerting on their legs. Leverage. Eddie flops backwards. His shoulders are down. The referee counts the one, two, three. And your winner is Ric Flair. And I'm like, bit of an odd finish getting pinned in the figure four. But a clean finish that got Eddie Guerrero over and didn't submit yeah exactly and the match is just all flair putting over eddie um and i think flair has a respect for eddie it comes through in this match very clearly one thing you you can never really take away from flair even with all the nwo bullshit and the feud with bischoff he was always willing to work with people absolutely i know he sort of started to lose a bit of interest near the end yeah in 1990 there's a few times when he has like a a 30 second match and you can see him just not selling and just (laughs) wandering off to the back halfway through and stuff but yeah but at this time period you could tell he's very much we're gonna need to start creating new stars yeah, and sure i think he saw eddie guerrero as you said with, with respect for what he could and couldn't do and there was nothing he couldn't do. So Flair was must have been in his element. Both of these guys are right up there with the very best of all time. Eddie is one of my personal favourites. I love Ric Flair. He's not one of my all-time favourites because I do feel like that cliche of like if you've seen a Ric Flair match, you've pretty much seen all Ric Flair matches. And I can't say yeah. that for Eddie. But not necessarily for Flair as well, but in principle, it's it's one match that he shops around a lot. Flair main event matches. Yep are exactly the same, but mid-card match, like this match, again, I know he's still working the leg, he's doing the dastardly heel tactics, but he gave a bit more, whereas in main event, as you said, it's Flair is excellent on the mic, and Flair is an excellent persona and a professional wrestler, but 
he will he would never be like you know what I think the best wrestling match of all time is from a wrestling standpoint. Storytelling, he'll be up there. Sure, but I, I I agree with you. But so I ask you this so far. So obviously we're looking for the formation of the NWO. Uh-huh. We're two matches in to the card. We're probably about halfway through the show, time-wise. Have you seen any hints? Absolutely. Anything so far? Fuck all. (laughs) Yeah, nothing at all from me. I'm genuinely shocked. I mean, this is probably a conversation to have at the end, but up until this point on this show, and with Slambery considered as well, there's the odd, hmm, is he a good guy, is he a bad guy? You could say with Sullivan, with Show... Sullivan showing Lugerisms. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Maybe Sting too. There's hints of Sting maybe not being above board, I would suggest. Very subtle hints. But other than that, we are none the wiser. No. But I also wonder at th- this stage as well, um, and obviously as we go through this uh, this series of shows, I wonder if they'd even got Scott Hall signed yet. I am not sure because without wishing to spoil it again, um, no Hogan, no Hall, no Nash on this show again. And we're now under a month and what, three weeks until the unveiling of the NWO. Not a hint at that storyline whatsoever. I mean, we've got Macho and Flair and stuff and Luger floating around, but... What I Hmm. would say, though, is... Even the storylines leading up to Slamboree, they're in a holding pattern. They're something. They're trying to pull something off because you could tell. Because other than the is the, the NFL man- story, is the unit manager backstage again. Whee, sorry. <laughs> but other other than the Flair stuff with Savage and then the NFL, so Flair's carrying two storylines, and the Sting Luger, there's nothing that we've seen from Slamboree. All this sh- show so far that suggests there's anything that they're looking to progress. Um, maybe DDP and Luger because of what happens in a bit. Potentially, but before we get to that, hey, it's the greatest ring announcer of all time. Sorry, interviewer of all time. So it's Mean Gene with Flair, Woman and Liz at Flair's VIP table, which is what we saw earlier on the entranceway. So um, they're basically celebrating Flair's victory. They've got champagne, flutes, and all this sort of stuff, you know. That's what it's called. VIP for very important Prosecco. (laughs) (laughs) Gene tells us Macho is apparently here this evening. Flair cuts a promo. He's just the best. He just insinuates he shagged everyone's wives. (laughs) This is his one thing at this time. That's all he cares about. Like, uh, what's this line to Mongo? Because he transitions from talking about Macho into talking about Mongo because he's got two storylines to put over. And uh, he has this line where he says to Mongo, uh, your wife follows me around like I owe her money. <laughs> Great line. Um, and again, I, it's almost uh, it's almost like the, the bragging kid at school. Fucked her. Fucked her. Fucked her. Definitely had her. Absolutely. Definitely had her. But what's actually happened, he's spooning on... <laughs> And it, it's 96. They're definitely going down the more controversial route. So I think this is Flair tapping into what's worked from in the past and just pushing it that little step further. 
He's tapping something for his storyline. <laughs> Apparently everyone backstage, which I probably don't doubt, to be honest, with his reputation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we come back from adverts after this Flair promo. Taheen and Bischoff are now Flair, Woman and Miss Elizabeth at the commentary table. Only Flair gets the headset, but Liz and Woman are there throughout all this time that Flair's on commentary as well. I, I enjoyed his comment. He tells Heenan's like, you can touch the girls, but Bischoff, keep your hands off. <laughs> There's lots of that. Uh, Heenan and Flair are very, very chatty on commentary. And there's there does seem to be legitimate heat with Bischoff as well, because he gets fucking angry at flair especially i i enjoyed him refer flair referring to Hina's. Well, oh excellent point robert <laughs> yeah he does that right at the end doesn't he <laughs> so heenan is lighting a candelabra <laughs> you, you heard that correctly in front of his face on the hard cam it's fucking great Eric and Rick have platters of food in front of them, like on big silver shiny trays. There is visible heat between Flair and Bischoff the way they're looking at each other, because the camera's on them at this point. And in Flair implies at one point that he's even shagged Ted Turner's wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Flair! Oh, he's so funny. I can't remember the exact line, but it's like, oh, Maggie loves a bit of Flair at midnight, or something like that. <laughs> Oh, oh, so brilliant. Like and Bischoff's you, reaction to it is like, holy shit, don't say that. <laughs> Scott Sasser's going to be really shitting himself now and the people, the network execs at TNT are not going to like this. God, can you imagine like sitting in the office like, Monday morning or like, when's this? Tuesday morning, sorry. And like, you're like, um, just so you know, Ted, <laughs> Flair said this on Nitro last night. I bet Ted was probably just like, yeah, awesome. I'm famous. Or, or followed by, yeah, he did. <laughs> that was part of his contract negotiation. Cue the slightly racist music. It's a WCW World Tag Team Championship match. Match, sorry, making their way to the ring, and the faces of fear, Meng and Barbarian, and they are taking on our current champions of Lex Luger and the Stinger. Well, wasn't it nice to see that at this time, both WWE and WCW were massively institutional racists when it mm. came to some uh, island talent? Mate, they may as well be going, da, 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 da. they're kind of Asian, it suits lads, don't worry. It's <laughs> so, <laughs> just like, oh fuck, the second year. Have this geisha girl, it's alright, we're the faces <laughs> of fear, motherfucker, I'm the hardest man in professional wrestling ever, yeah, fuck off, Haku. You're Asian now. <laughs> to be fair, WF were just as bad. They're Yokozuna in the same gimmick, basically, you know? Yeah. Aren't you from Samoa? Yep. I mean, no. <laughs> At least Banzai! That's <laughs> what to say. At least Meng and Barbar aren't talking fake Japanese in their promos, you know? They're certainly not working. <laughs> <laughs> but when Sting and Lex come to the ring, firstly, you get the called sting du, 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 du. it's just the best music ever um much better at least than they had the rights to that yeah exactly yeah that's a fair point actually they did have the rights to it they played the man called sting music you would assume that was part of the wcw buyout i i wonder because this was the time wasn't it they were moving away from using third parties and they were trying to develop their own music so they had was it Jimmy Hart was writing a lot of stuff for them so. originally mm-hmm. that he owned the rights to? I believe so. Yeah, I don't really know, to be honest with you. So, Lex is a double champ, as we mentioned earlier. Double chump. How is my only question. 
<laughs> no one no one defends the TV belt on TV, apparently, so that's why he's got it. There we go. Um, but as Lex and Stinger are making their entrance, Lex comes out first and poses. Sting kind of steps in front of Luger and poses. And Lug- Very heel. And Luger goes, oh, <laughs> gives him a look. And I'm like, is he the third man? Is Sting the third man? They're definitely implying that there's friction, at least, between these two. I mean, then and then again, they threw back to, you know, having to overpower Jimmy Hart and twatted him in the face of a megaphone. <laughs> oh, I completely forgot about that storyline. Holy shit. <laughs> I forgot that even happened because they don't mention it on this fucking show. <laughs> Is it because it was so badly done they don't remember it? Oh, God, that was the big talking point coming out of Slamboree, but I was so oh, obsessed with how fairness, bad that tag tournament was. In fairness, Heenan did mention it once on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get shit over, mate. Oh, great. Um, so the other thing I noticed about this match is everyone is wearing black tights. At least Sting had colours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the luminous kind of like Sting down one side and the Scorpion on the other side. Um, but like... I. <laughs> The way I've put it here is that we're into transitional sting. Yeah, agreed. Because there's no bleached hair. The hair's growing out a bit. Well, Steve you Borden say that. Is... It, it's very much transitional in that he's got like longer curtains growing and it's all natural coloured. Apart from like one bit of blonde bleach like right at the front. And so it's like there's there's elements of like crew cut sting. But we're getting into kind of scorpion raven sting, you know. Not, yeah, they still Raven. couldn't bother to update his look for the WCW magazine advert. <laughs> Fair point. What's the, the movie? Crow, that's the one. Sorry. Crow Sting, yeah. We're starting to see signs of it. Like he's wearing black, for example. It's not very Sting-like, you know? No, uh, but but on the subject of everyone wearing the same gear, would you go up to Barbar and Meng and go, sorry, lads, tonight we're wearing black? <laughs> Absolutely not. I would get the other tights out and be like, "Good, well played, boys." Yep. <laughs> uh, Barbar, at one point in this match, goes up top with Sting and gives him one of the scariest belly-to-belly suplexes I have ever fucking seen. He literally—that's being very polite, calling it a belly-to-belly. I call it more. A, I, I, I just fucking flung him. Yeah, they were both standing on the tippity top, right? And he just grabs Sting dumps him off the top and he lands right on his fucking hip and knee like oh my god that is a long way to fall in a 96 WCW stiff ass ring that's how they teach you to bump at IPW (laughs) (laughs) man the fact that Sting didn't get up and immediately just scream in this guy's face or whatever I mean I think that is a testament for how tough Megan Barbarian were but you don't do this to your top baby face but that's classic Barbar and Haku, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't think they ever were like, you know what we take pride in like Brett did? I've never hurt an opponent. Whereas Barbar <laughs> and Haku were like, we have fucked up some people. Yeah, I mean, they're in the same camp as the Steiners almost. You know, They don't really care that much about their opponents, it seems, at times. Get themselves over with their little skull and crossbones on their tights. Sure. So, uh, commentary for this match is basically... Flair and Heenan going, 
can you pass me the champagne or the hors d'oeuvres over there? And Bischoff going, can we please pay attention to the match? And then Flair being like, whoa, I fucked your mother. Yeah, baby. <laughs> One thing on the subject of hints, though, did you notice how much Flair was putting over Sting? Yeah, absolutely. On commentary. Yeah, he, I mean, he knows. He obviously knows. No one knew who the third man was other than Heenan. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about it in that context. I just thought about, like, you know, Flair wants to make money. Sting's a guy you can make money with. They've already made their money, though. Oh, but there's always, room for, there's always room for more. You're a tax accountant. You know this. <laughs> Do you like the way I, I am, add the word the tax? The problem is, when there's more name. money, there's more tax. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> So, uh, Barbar takes a bump off the top after Sting and Lex double-team him because they're dastardly heels, apparently. Uh, Sting with a huge top rope splash onto Barbar. Sting rolls away. Lex rolls in for the pin. For the one, two, three. And still WCW Tag Team Champions Lex and Sting. Does Sting roll out the way because Lex is the legal man? Or is this yes. meant... Oh, okay. Good. I was not paying attention. It's WCW. Who cares? <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, us for the next nine episodes yeah sure but i mean that's why it's fun and i don't know what i'm trying to say but i thought the we- the the finish was a bit odd but uh I- they didn't go on. they didn't play up the the tension as much as i thought they would after slamboree as you said considering it was only like a throwaway comment from heenan on commentary about the megaphone yeah to they're defending their tag straps and it didn't even look like they're in peril so i know I do like a slow burn, but at least, you know, start the fire. Yeah. I guess thinking about it, it was Lex that was wrestling with Barbar, wasn't it? That ended up turning on him and such. Well, it was those two left in the Battle Royal, wasn't it? So the point being that this has um, context to what happened at Slamboree. But I think the classic complaint about WCW is that the information is there. They're just not expressing it clearly enough doesn't get it over to the the new fan does it yeah it's um it's an odd way of doing business but i guess eric is just thinking about his main event scene that's what's going to make money this stuff doesn't really matter to him you know they'll kind of do whatever they're going to do and we'll just move on yeah it's uh, as you said it's it's holding pattern it's holding pattern until they can start executing what they have planned Mm -hmm. so moving on we cut to Mean Gene outside the building with a very angry macho man, Randy Savage. Um, security are stopping Macho from entering the building. And Macho cuts a promo that I don't remember much about, to be honest. It felt pretty generic. I liked how he came in full gear. He did arrive in full gear, hat and everything. I think it was orange and black, wasn't it? Yeah, and so essentially the whole promo was Mean Gene saying, Oh, the higher-ups of WCW are meeting up to determine your future. And, uh... It's just mocking Vince. Then, then, then Savage basically started thinking Gene was setting him up. Uh. And then Savage started getting hot and tried to run through the building. Then the uh, the guardians of the independents all clamoured in to stop him. <laughs> Do you think this storyline is mocking his relationship with Vince a little bit? You know, with higher-ups going to decide your future when Macho was on commentary before coming to WCW and they wouldn't even let him in the building and he's paranoid that people are trying to screw him over. I think the paranoia is certainly a rib on him mm. for his relationship with Liz and how that all um, that all transpired. <sighs> yeah, But sure. I just think... I, I just think they're trying to 
get these wrestlers involved. And I would assume at this stage, having everyone signed, it's like they work a set number of dates. And I wonder with both Flair and, uh, sorry, with Hogan and Savage, if this isn't counted as a date or if it's a pre-tape. This was definitely filmed at the equivalent of like Titan Towers or whatever. Yeah. This was not on that venue, on that day at all. (laughs) No way. No. So I I wonder if this might have been filmed the night before in Mm. Baton Rouge. And it's like, you've got the night off, Savage. Don't worry about it. Sounds about right for WCW during this time, you know. So, uh, Macho tries to rush security, but can't get past them. He he tried so hard to get past them, Tax. He really tried. He's not a real face. <laughs> Cena would have got through. Austin would have got through. Mate, he has a little jog up to security. He goes, oh, no. And then just kind of walks away. You're like, Mate, you're not even trying. You're a wrestler. Like, jump over them. Grab the door. You know, do the things you're meant to do. Elbow drop from high above, please. Yeah, exactly. Just throw one punch on each security guard. They they fly out the ring. It's amazing. <laughs> you should see other people do it. John Cena does it all the time. Back in the day, at least. Anyway. Um, uh, someone suggests that Savage Blood Runs Cold. Indeed. So we do have another Blood Runs Cold coming to WCW vignette. Yeah. Oh, I'm hoping he arrives during this run of shows we're doing. Just so- I'm sure he won't. I'm pretty sure he had promos for a year. Oh. <laughs> I think you're right, you know. Didn't he debut on uh, Thunder? Oh, I don't remember. Mm. That would be shit. <laughs> yeah. So next up, we've got Brad Armstrong making his return to the podcast versus ding 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 ding. It's Diamond Dallas Page, our tournament winner. Self high five. Bang. Gotta get that superstar. <laughs> Sorry. In his match intro graphic, they lost the word diamond. Did they? Oh, no, they lost the word page. Sorry, they was diamond Dallas. Oh, fair enough. I will say DDP's bright pink and silver gear, though. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Makes a change from black tights, black yeah. trunks. There was lots black of... Black singlet. Yeah, lots of people wearing black this evening. So someone coming out in bright pink and silver. Um, I feel a bit weird that he's smoking a cigar on the way to the ring. Taking it seriously. <laughs> so, Flair, Bischoff, and Heenan are completely anti sneeze, Honor. I'm not cutting it, that's saying him. Gesundheit. <laughs> As Alex Wright would say. So, oh, I missed him on this show. I need a bit of dancing. Anyway, so <laughs> Flair, Bischoff, and Heenan completely ignoring the match, just getting their overshot over on commentary. I mean, can you blame them? The match is pretty bang average. It's almost like they don't want you to remember something that happened the night before. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, do you find it odd that DDP is not doing the diamond shape with his hands yet? Instead, he's just putting his hands to the air, then hip thrusting and shouting bang like it's his penis doing the bang. He bought this back as a stalker gimmick, though, didn't he? <laughs> For him to take his wife. I think he was just fine his gimmick, because this was still coming out of being the Diamond Stud. That was Scott Hall, but yeah, it's Diamond Stud's manager or whatever. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah. In that case, yeah. He was coming out from being a manager and driving the cat, the pink Cadillac at WrestleMania 6. Something like that. I don't remember which one it was. Um, So... 
diamond cutter out of nowhere one two three you win his ddp but that's not diamond cutter looks really shit at this stage yeah it takes him a second just to kind of hook onto the neck and get the cravat hold thing and then drop him it's it's, uh looks a bit awkward but i don't like i don't like a cravat in (laughs) uh, because i can't get out of them in wrestling i just everyone's like here's how you get out of a cravat and my brain doesn't work it's a case of oh someone's gonna have to do a different transitional move because there's no way i can get out of this way looking shit i'm trying to do a cravat with my arms thinking about where your head would be and i'm like it's like one hand's upside down the other one comes around and over but i don't know where the head goes (laughs) it's so confusing how does chris hero do them coach wicked tried to show me several times and in fairness fairness to his patience hundreds of times here's how you apply a cravat and it would be like me go headlock (laughs) no this is a cravat ah headlock (laughs) and then when he'd put me in a cravat it was a case of okay do the reversal and i'd be like um do you want to put me in a headlock (laughs) man has the patience of a saint yeah, he's a good Not man. the saint, because you know, he probably would have done the same as well. I'll throw it out here now. Uh, on this run of 10 shows, we are going to have three, potentially four guests, and hopefully Coach Wicked will be one of them. So I hope so. We will see how we do. Uh, he's pretty much as much confirmed it today, but obviously we have to kind of do it week to week, knowing when we're going to podcast, so whether people can make it or not is the only issue. But, and, um, and who knows what other hellacious things might be thrown in our directions because of covid because uh, again we yeah, don't exactly. want to over promise and under deliver we'd rather you know you have to put us up up with us idiots and then when you get an actual proper professional <laughs> join us it'd be a real treat <laughs> so this whole match between brad armstrong and ddp is not really the story it's just an excuse to get ddp in the ring so Mean Gene cuts an in-ring is that sorry doing an in-ring interview with DDP post-match. Okay, so DDP cuts this promo to start with. Okay, and I've now got a DDP gimmick count going on. Okay, so okay. N- number one, head snapper. Hey snapper head, zip it is his opening line, which is definitely prepared. Prepared. You don't come out with that out the blue. So that's kind of like the the example almost of what counts as like a gimmick for me with ddp anything that he's like pre-prepared you know so that's number one (laughs) this promo is only like 10 seconds remember okay he does the bang with the hip thrust he has this high-pitched good god that he does he also talks about the lethal lottery contest (laughs) happened the night before not convinced that's what the name of it was last night uh, he says he's the best of the best. He says, when it was all said and done, there can only be one. He also does a yow thing, like Shinsuke Nakamura did, you know, where he leans or back. Or Monty Brown with his pounce. Absolutely. <laughs> he calls himself the Lord of the Ring and has the ring from the tournament. He actually slips and says an S on the end. So he goes, I'm the Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, oh, you're Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond Bilbo Page. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins Page is what I should have gone with there. Oh, that's that's better. Change. That's definitely better. You got there in the end. Don't worry. So that's number eight of the gimmicks in this 10-second promo. Number nine, he's got one person to pack. I'm sorry, one person to thank. My pauses to look at the audience self. And you're like, you fucked that up by saying my <laughs> before the pause. We knew what you were gonna say. 
If you'd gone, I've got one first person to thank, then looked around and they'd gone, myself, it would have been much better. And obviously, at the end, he goes, self high five. Like, that's 10 gimmicks in a 10 second promo. That's fucking impressive. Bischoff's always said the early days of Dallas Page was like he just needed to lose most of the gimmicks because he was just a walking gimmick engine. I know like Pritchard and Conrad on their podcast always talk about the box of gimmicks. It's like fucking Page stumbled into it <laughs> with glue or honey on him or something and everything just stuck on him and he came out. Yeah, I mean, 94, 95 Dallas Page that we've looked at in previous pods. He has like, you know, three ring valets, 10 sets of glasses, three necklaces, five ring jackets. You know, he's starting to be stripped away of all that crap. But the promos fucking hell man i think if you just told us what you were feeling you'd probably work better he's feeling a self high five as the bar <laughs> the good god lord of the battle bowl rings there's a point on this show where bishop is going he self high fives himself he self high fives himself you know, just like in disbelief almost i before we got to the promo i like the fact that heenan was like this guy's come out of absolutely nowhere and now he's got a title shot yeah. At the Great American Bash. Well, Gene Oakland. <laughs> so, Mean Gene breaks breaks it to DDP. The DDP was technically eliminated from the Battle Royal at Slambury because his foot touched the ground. And to be Can fair, he do that, Joey? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to be fair, they're right. His foot did touch the ground. And this is WCW, not WWE. So I don't think both feet need to touch the ground to be eliminated, right? I'm not overly sure, because surely if he's thrown over the top rope, it's a disqualification, right? (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. I think we're beyond that point in 96, yeah? Must Definitely now, yeah. Absolutely. So DDP, his title shot has been taken away from him. And for some fucking reason, (laughs) the person who's going to get the title shot instead is Lex Luger. Let's look at the logic here. So the person who DDP eliminated with a diamond cutter to pin uh, to get the Lord of the Ring was uh, the Barbarian. So obviously, yes, Luger gets the title shot. (laughs) This renders the whole of that tag tournament absolutely pointless. I said near the close of our Slambury episode, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it in the archives at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. I said, I will be absolutely furious if this leads to absolutely nothing. And just as Gene Oakland came out, and also, if I've just lost the world title shot after winning some fancy damn ring, I like Gene Oakland's like, you don't, they can't take the ring away, but they'll take away your title shot. They can't take away the tangible asset, but they'll take away the fictional contract. It's, it's madness. Why Lex? Why not? Well, Stinger's had a shot. (laughs) Lex is partly responsible for DDP winning. He's already got two belts. He's like Austin Aries when he tried, people thought he was good and tried to collect all the belts. He was a belt collector. I just, why Lex? We know Bischoff hates Lex. Why the fuck has he given him the title shot? Maybe there was a contractual obligation 
you got to feel bad for DDP, right? He's given this push finally where he's like going to get the shot against the giant or the G-man as he calls him. Fucking idiot. (laughs) And then they're like, oh no, no. So you know your foot touched the ground. You know we replayed that like five times last night at the pay-per-view just to make sure everyone knew it had happened. But we didn't do anything about it. And we're not going to take the referee's decision. We're going to take it away from you. And we're not going to give it to Barb. <laughs> just like, what? Uh, so every one of those tag matches we watched. Wait, does couples. that mean Luger is the third man? Mm. Things going his way behind the scenes? Mm. Or maybe this would motivate DDP to be so angry that he's going to become the third man, even though he's getting over as a face. You thought DDP was a face? In this? Well, no, but... He's... I got here by myself. Yeah, I understand, but he is getting cheered. Yeah, true. More than his opponent. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I mean, it's Brad. I think I've had more pomp and allure than Brad Armstrong <laughs> taking a dump. But he's got a red, white, and blue American flag jacket. He must be a good guy, right? He must be face. <laughs> He's not wearing zebra print. Did you print. know the American flag's the new zebra print? <laughs> Sparkles and zebra print. Otherwise, how are we meant to know that you're a face, you know? Oh, quick, put on a ring jacket. Ah, oh, so much fun. So, I mean, we're only about an hour into this podcast, and we're already up to your main event of the evening. God bless WCW and their 70-minute shows. Well, at least this one. Of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship of the Giants, our current champion, with known racist Jimmy Hart, versus the enforcer Arn Anderson, accompanied by Sullivan, my son! (laughs) Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. I saw you like someone's tweet with that exact... (laughs) Those exact words during the week. I can't remember what it was in relation to. It's Jay Hunter from OSW. He loves a bit of the Kevin Sullivan. He loves a bit of Dungeon of Doom as well. But what was he tweeting it in relation to and what happened in wrestling this weekend when that happened? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember what no, I No, me neither. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a long week. My kid's not been sleeping very well, so I'm sure I oh, like something neither. at four I, in the morning. I fucking love getting up every hour of the fucking day. <laughs> Chav kids, they said. It won't impact on anything, they said. <laughs> Nothing your aggression. Let's get back to wrestling. We can get angry about this rather than kids, you know. So, show has some awesome flashes of fiery pyro on his entrance. It really adds this monster character. But again, the real story here is why is Kevin Sullivan, the guy who's like, you know, Dungeon of Doom or whatever, who used to be in the corner of the giant, now accompanying four horsemen, Arn Anderson? It's very odd interesting again was it potentially a throwback to the alliance to end hulkamania as we said before the dungeon of doom and the four horsemen combining you could almost Mm. suggest they have no fucking clue what they're doing well at least we did end up with an explanation well you say that (laughs) the camera catches a conversation between sullivan and jimmy hart at ringside and then he says something about the horsemen and Pillman and Benoit and loyalty, and then a bit about the dungeon. It's it's a bit messy, this. It's, you know, it's the horsemen, and it, he just wants to make sure that Arn gets a fair shot. But why? 
Because it's the horseman. <laughs> but it's Kevin Sullivan. He's part of the Dungeon of Doom. You know, it's not hot and all this sort of shit. Like, why does he care about the horseman? <laughs> Maybe he's trying to book himself into the horseman. Right, well, Benoit's got my wife, so I'm going to have his place in the horseman. Sullivan, my son! <laughs> I just keep saying that. It, it makes sense. So, um, this is heel versus heel. Yep. Although I have to <laughs> applaud the Taskmaster, what Graham described as a beautiful yellow bathrobe. I mean, it is. It's just a bathrobe that he's maybe put on a little bit of, I don't know, embroidery or something on it somewhere. Yeah, some seems respect stage is gone. Kevin, you've got to have something on this. If not, it's just your wife's bathrobe. <laughs> you can see Maybe it is. You can see Sullivan wandering around ringside. Looking like he's like, you know, some pimp daddy in his fucking bathroom. <laughs> and really, we're all looking at him going, you look a bit shit, mate. You've got like giant eyebrows on your forehead, you know? <laughs> like, what are you doing? He went to a local face painter in Canterbury. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that's a deep cut joke. Um, that picture came back up on my timeline as a memory. Oh, <laughs> they call it a memory. The day that someone butchered my daughter's face and made her look like she was in the Dungeon of Doom rather than a fucking tiger. Taskmaster Williams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I wish there was more to talk about with this match. Arn does a great job of being the smart but massively overpowered heel. Uh, I loved it when he ran in... Well avoided running into giant's boot and just turned around like nine meters away from gone ha ha i'm yeah. very clever yeah Arn does a really good job here like he knows his role um so he should shut his mouth it's a fast match show catches on as he goes for a jump off the ropes choke slams him for the one two three and still world heavyweight champion the giant uh show ambles to the back as bischoff and heenan prat about on commentary flares off straight away like literally <laughs> the match ends and we don't see flair again he's like right that's the show see you later i'm gonna go fuck someone's wife um it's it's hilarious when you cut to bischoff and heenan and heenan's like oh i'm off as well fuck it steals the candelabra <laughs> grabs some plates off the sorry grabs some food off the plates as he's leaving Bischoff tells us to join them next week and they're all just like, ah, fuck it. Just go to the NBA already. <laughs> We're out of here. That is the whole show. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's it's very fun. It's really silly. I'm not sure much of the storytelling makes sense. And I'm starting to realize why Eric's thought that if I can get Hall, Nash, Hogan all in one faction, I'm just going to hit reset on everything because there's there's almost nothing to latch onto with this show about caring about storylines, you know? It just, I said, it's very much a holding pattern show. This is what I'd expect people if they're reviewing current Monday Night Raw. Uh, not great in-ring work, not really much storytelling and no real logic. But I think from my standpoint here, there are a few takeaways. So we've got Nitro going to two hours, which they seem to, again, be promoting a lot. You've got the giant looking dominant, which is how he should have always been booked. He should have just been this monster used sparingly. And again, I know this is like 25 years ago, pretty much now. 
but how they initially booked the giant was brilliant how, yeah. how they did it he was menacing they put over on commentary that no one could get it the giant uses belt buckles for his championship belt not fucking velcro <laughs> so he's a proper champion Eddie Guerrero Flair, really, Uh really good. We've got the continuation of the actual wrestling storyline and the publicity storyline. We've got some more stuff between Flair, sorry, between Luger and Sting. Potentially now Luger's in the main event at the Great American Bash because he earns it. Maybe there's something going on there. So Mm. it gave me a little bit more to, to potentially roll on to next week's episode. But if we'd watched this as a standalone show... My only thought process be going, oh, thank fuck, that was only an hour and nine minutes. <laughs> sure. It's, um, I'm looking through it now going, there's lots I enjoy. I love how hilariously terrible Fire and Ice is as a gimmick. That is genuinely brilliant. And you've got the Steiners and the Faces of Fear just dumping everyone on their heads with giving no shits, which in terms of like just pure entertainment, is great fun as a viewer. Like, as people, I'm sure they're horrible pieces of work and you would never want to work with them in a million <laughs> years. But just purely as a viewer, it's, it's shitloads of fun to watch. Eddie Guerrero and Ric Flair was, frankly, a masterpiece. Like, as just, like, two guys who obviously haven't prepared fucking anything, just going, right, what's the finish? Okay, cool, let's go out there and do it. And just absolutely nailing it. Um... There's, there's even bits like, you know, flair on commentary with doing stuff with Heenan and Bischoff getting genuinely annoyed at the stuff they're doing. It's really, really fun and entertaining. Like, I've watched wrestling shows and Scooby-Doo movies where I've, I've literally just been, like, tempted to hit that 30-second skip thing just through every bit of whatever's happening because I was so bored. There was not a moment I was bored on this show. No, this is this is actually quite enjoyable to watch. As you said at the beginning, we had the nostalgia of the actual arena setup. I liked the the commentator cutaways. We didn't have, I mean, I think there was only one backstage slot, which was the savage stuff. Yeah, one in ring promo. So. so it was yeah. mainly wrestling, and some of it was very shit. But just having almost twenty minutes of Eddie and Flair. Very, yeah. very nice. I'm looking forward to seeing where we go next week. But, like, did you watch the NXT pay-per-view this week? Uh, well, I said to you, like we said last week when we recorded the pod, I was planning to stay up to it, and I woke up at half past one during um, Candice and Neo Shiro. I was like, nope, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Go to bed. I had it on. It just did not capture my attention at all. And I think there's definitely a part of being an old, jaded fan, you know what I mean? Um, and I don't watch NXT week to week, so I am less invested in the characters and the storyline and stuff. But it's like, they did lots of very good athletic wrestling. I didn't give a shit about any of it, though. And this WCW show has some great athletic wrestling on, but the variation the whole way through, and almost the outlandishness of the stories and the great ambition of them trying to tell these ridiculously complex layered stories even if they can never pull them off it's so much more fun to watch than people doing spots i i agree wholeheartedly because this is the problem i found recently with something like an nxt 
and also I don't watch it weekly because how WWE have now changed it on the network, I don't want to watch a week behind because I already know what's happened. And yeah. if I've got a spare two hours, I don't want to watch something that I already know the outcome with unless it's someone says, this has been an outstanding match. And there's no denying the stuff in NXT is good. But yep. my beef, and again, we've got a bit of time before we finish, but don't worry, I've got a game for today as well. I've really gone throwback. I was going to ask if you wanted to play a game. Look at you. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a game prepared. But I, before, you know, before we close out and move on to the game... Wait, hold on, hold on. Just with the NXT thing. Um, well, I was, I was going to say that the problem with NXT is that they've run out of people they can pinch from the indies to claim they made a star. NXT has no stars. Devitt uh, is their biggest star. I think, I think they have star. stars. They're just not, not conveyed or booked that way almost, you know? Yeah, but they've not made a star. Mm. The last star they made is Roman Reigns from a mainstream standpoint. Anything else that NXT system has done, they took Tyler Black. He's mainstream in inverted commas because he's knocked up Becky Lynch. They're good at developing women ca- women's characters, but that's a, a time where women's wrestling wasn't overly popular. They managed to snag all the best indie wrestlers who people hadn't paid attention to and sin and allowed them to showcase their talent. From a men's roster standpoint, Karrion Cross, well, he was big in other places beforehand. Keith Lee, big elsewhere beforehand who's actually come in through developmental since roman reigns that they've actually made a star who didn't have notoriety before that they are not building stars they're letting other people build stars and work around them um we're talking creating stars and building stars i think are two different things i think like creating something from scratch with someone that isn't already very uh aware of what they're capable of doing in the ring and how to do it like a keith lee or something like keith lee was a finished product when he arrived at wwe he was yeah. ready to go and that's what i mean yeah the um, whole idea of developmental but, nxt is to create new stars because that's what they found on the indies now they've run out of indie talent to pull through and the last person they were close to creating a star turns out he sends dick pics um i don't know if i agree with you to be honest man in that yeah, there's um it seems almost static a little bit at the moment with NXT. I think it's just because it was so free flowing for so many years and you know, you get this new roster in, you book them insanely well for two, three years, then pump them up after the the Raw or SmackDown or whatever. And then you bring in a new crop and you kind of just start again, you know, you think about you had the um or would you start with like Puck and people like that and then you move on to like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and the, the Balor and Samoa Joe phase and you know there's all these phases of like you know this is when NXT was amazing end those feuds send them off to the the other promote the other brands I guess they call them and they can't really do that anymore because <laughs> the rosters are completely chock a block and they fired off their staff because financially they had to or whatever or chose to I guess is the best way to put it uh what was it? Uh, record-breaking profits this year, by the way, with WWE. <laughs> Doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting to see um, what maybe someone who watches it regularly and, uh, you know, almost exclusively is going to have to say because uh, we're going to be having little Louie on one of these podcasts at some point. Excellent, a, excellent. I'm intrigued to see what a younger person thinks of WCW. I bet he fucking hates it. And we can basically have a go at him about why it's better than NXT every week. <laughs> It'll be great fun. <laughs> Listen here, young man. Let me tell you what why wrestling's good. Exactly. But did I call him uh, Little Louie? That's pretty insulting, isn't it? 
But as we're WCW, yeah. let's focus on the Mars, the centerpiece of WCW and the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Because, yeah. Rich, it's time for a game of higher or lower. <laughs> the classic game. Excellent. <laughs> so one so, and done, eh? Let's go. So this is... Well, don't worry. We've got a couple of other titles and we've got guests. So I, I will ha- have time for Nitros to be better at preparing cool. games. I promise I so, won't take notes. No problem. So this is based on the total number of days recognized by wwe not wcw okay. of combined reigns he- holding the wcw world heavyweight championship this also includes when it was referred to as the wcw title in wwe during the invasion angle but not the world heavy which it became no okay so essentially anything up to trips anything up to sort of yeah. universal uh, um, undisputed champion that is it. So it's WCW and WWF up until Jericho beats Austin and Rock on the okay. same night. Yep. It's about six months to a year, isn't it? It's not very long. So, in the entire history of the WCW heavyweight title in that iteration, okay, there have only been 22 holders of that belt. Okay. So I'm aiming for 22, basically, is what it gets to, isn't it? Well, we'll have, th- yeah, we'll have a couple of attempts to see how far <laughs> you get. And let's see if you can get to... Uh, 10. We've got about 10 minutes until we hit a 90-minute podcast. So, yeah, let's do it. Go on. I'll aim for 10. Okay, so here we go. So, I've got my random number generator, and we're going to end up with number five, Sting, with a combined title range of 250 days. Lots, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I have, so I'm now so I'm going on zero to go... Currently. Okay. Okay. So, I've, I've gone for a number, because I almost said the number. <laughs> I always do that, um, yeah. Scott Steiner, higher or lower than Sting? Lower. Uh, Scott Steiner is ninth with 120 Yeah, days. let's go. Okay, one on the board, 120 days. I've just realized I gave away the number there. So No, hmm. you need to tell me it so I know the next one. Oh, the positioning? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, I know, as, as in like oh. the, the, the ranking, that was foolish of me. So yeah. I've given you a little advantage there. Just tell me how many days. <laughs> the only one. 120 days for Scott Steiner. Okay, cool. Oh, it doesn't really the matter. The giant. Oh, uh, 120 uh, giant is probably less. At 118. Oh, days. let's go. Because he left to go WF giant. in 98, didn't he? So, yeah, he wasn't around long. Okay, so that's three you've got. Two. You don't count the oh, first yeah. one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since you played a game. I'm keeping track. I've got two. Here he is, Macho Man Randy Savage. Has Macho held the Giants 118. Oh, it's a tricky one because Macho's definitely held the belt quite a lot. He held it in like the 2000s. Uh, He held it maybe uh, in the the early phase as well. And then there was a couple of times they quickly changed it on on and off of him. I still think it's less than 118, so I'm going to go lower. At 53 days, Let's go. Macho Man Randy Savage. Okay, so three. Diamond Dallas Page. Higher. At 30 days. No way! You only had it for 30 days! Are you kidding me? Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, so I'm up to three. Okay. Should we do another round? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to go for it. 
Oh, okay. Here we go. At six days, <laughs> Kurt Angle. Beautiful. So, Jesus Christ. Um, David Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. So, he won it on Thunder. And then he lost it at the pay-per-view. Was there a week in between? We've covered this on the podcast. That's genuinely a close one because it's six days, right? Kurt Angle was six days, yeah. Did Arquette have it for longer than six days? It would have been Thursday Night Thunder, I think. Wednesday, Thursday? Mm, Not sure. If 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 it was the same pay per view that week, then I but I seem to remember having the belt on Nitro as well, so I'm going to say higher. At twelve days, you are correct. He took it to Nitro because he had that scene with Courtney Cox, awesome, where she shouted, "You are not a wrestler." Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't sure if that was the beginning of the pay per view or not. I was like, I remember these bits. That must have been Nitro. <laughs> okay, so one. Okay. Chris Jericho. Higher. At 15 days. Yeah, it's not much. Chris Jericho has held the belt yeah. more than David Arquette. Because he definitely didn't hold it in WCW. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> Vince Russo. Uh, higher. At only seven days. Damn it. One week. Vince Russo. Fuck. Because I remember he, he gave it in, but. Oh, fuck. Okay. These are difficult, man. There's lots of very, very short runs with that belt. Definitely, and it's it's incredible. Um, some of them, but we'll get to them. Okay, so we're gonna start your third and final attempt to get so to ten. My maximum so far is still three, so let's start again. See if we can try and get to at least five. <laughs> Bret Hart at fifty-six days. Cool. Sid Vicious higher or lower than Bret Hart? Jesus Christ. Right, when did Sid have the belt? It was in the 2000s, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was 2000 Sid had the belt. And he must have been there earlier. Because I'm half the man that you are. (laughs) (laughs) I think the belt was in that picture. What are we on? 56 days for Bret Hart. I think it's got to be less. Lower. At 77 days. How the fuck <laughs> did he have it for 77 days? I don't remember him with the bell. <laughs> fuck. We'll go, we'll go for one more because that okay. was quite a quick yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm not very good at this game. <laughs> Bill Goldberg at 174 days. Sure. And 200 odd wins, you know, yeah. In those J E double F J A double R E double T. Higher or lower than Bill Goldberg? That's really difficult because Jeff held the belt quite a lot as WCW was dying. <laughs> but Goldberg had the run. What was it? 187 days, you say? 174 days. 174. Did Jarrett hold it for half a year? Is what I'm basically trying to work out. See, I know he was given the belt by Russo, but 
Booker had the belt as well, and Hogan was fucking everyone over, including Jarrett, a lot during that time period. I think Jar- Jarrett has to be lower. Jeff Jarrett had four title reigns with the WCW Heavyweight title, <laughs> combining 59 days. <laughs> Let's go. Dub C Dub. Dub C Dub. Big sexy Kevin Nash. Higher. At 96 days, Kevin Nash. Yep. Only 96. That's kind of shocking considering how often he had the belt, it felt like. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> I think it has to be less. At 97 days, I should have Dwayne known. The Rock Johnson has held it for one more day. However, we are going based on WWE dates. According to my stats, WCW recognized Kevin Nash's run as also 97 days. <laughs> okay. So I tell you what, I'll give it a buy. I said, give me a buy. So I'm buy. still on two, I think. Still on two, and we're on 97 for The Rock. Okay. The thing is that, like, what goes through your head is that WCW was booked bad, but I know Nash had the belt often. WWF was booked pretty well. But they only had the belt for like, what, six months to a year? <laughs> the very most. So it's, it's so difficult to say. So we had Rocky on 97. Okay. Chris Benoit. WCW belt. Yeah. Gotta be less. At one day, there we Chris go. Benoit. Because he won it and then left, yeah. Don't know how you're going to do with this one. Ron Simmons. Uh, hmm. Could it be higher by any chance? At 150 days, Ron Simmons. Good stuff. That's a really annoying number to work with, though. 150, okay. (laughs) Uh, Booker T. (laughs) Now, this is interesting. Because Booker T had it in WWF. He definitely had it in WWF. But was it the World Heavyweight Championship at that time? Was it was it? the world heavyweight title at that time. Okay. But he definitely held it in WCW as well, but briefly, because it was towards the end of the run. But was it for more than half a year? Or less than half a year? Like three months. So what are we on already? Uh, 150 for Ron Simmons. And Booker T. Did Booker T hold it for more than 150 days? I don't think he did. I think it's got to be lower. Booker T held the title five times. Five times, <laughs> five times. Yeah, I remember. At two hundred and fifty-three ah, days, I was banking on WCW's crappy booking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I got four. I think I, I think I got four. The the one that shocked me when looking up and down this list is that Sting held the belt for three days less combined than Booker T. It's it's surreal the way WCW booked that big belt. For years and years and years, it just made no sense a lot of the time. Like, who's number shocked. one? Do you, uh, can you can you guess who number one was? Who's held the belt the longest in WCW? Yeah, probably Flair. Hogan. Oh, of course. Duh. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> I wasn't Flair thinking. in WWE recognition was five hundred and five days. Yeah, yeah um, a lot. Hogan double it and had a hundred and seven. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Hogan held the belt for 1,177 days. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was good fun. I enjoyed this nitro. I enjoyed the games. I've enjoyed part two of our part two of our the formation of the NWO series. This has been great. I'm genuinely loving going through these shows. Uh, I think that I think they're going to make for good podcasting as well because stuff's going to happen more and more. And when it does, it's going to be like it finally happened. <laughs> we're just building to it, you know. This is the shine we're going through right now. Well, dear viewer, not to tease you with next week's episode. Something happens. Mm, it does. Something happens indeed. And next week we will be doing the WCW Monday Nitro number 37, episode number 37, from the 27th of May, 1996. And we are going to be joined by podcast fairly regular Nick, who's going to come back. It's going to be good to have Nick back on the pod. I mean, I hope he'll have more to say than saying about Brett and Bulldog being the greatest match of all time. <laughs> the argument of what it just is. <laughs> One of my favourite moments on any of those Super Quiz Cups is Nick justifying why Brett and Bulldog's the greatest match of all time. He goes, well, it's Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a point. Uh, and in fairness, had I not been in the contest... The fact that know the story as well about like Bulldog doing crack for three days before <laughs> and stuff. so funny that we're sitting here telling him why his match is the greatest of all time. Oh, I love Nick on the pod. I think he's so funny. He's the best. It's going to be great. Are we? And that's going to be over Discord for Nick, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be a remote one. We are going to be doing a couple of get-togethers for this pod as well, this pod series. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Co- COVID pending, we're going to be doing pizza and pod yeah. in my chateau. <laughs> Socially distanced and masked. We're responsible adults, you know. But, um, yeah, next week's going to be fun. Got some, I can't wait. Got some shit happening. Let's put it that way. There's a reason we've got a guest coming on. <laughs> Where can people find your good work? Good uh, well, you can find all my work across Wrestle Talk and Parts of Unknown and Phenomenas and Cineworld's YouTube channel as long as they keep letting us do it because obviously they're going to be closing for a bit because of COVID. Um, you can find me at Fanboy Rich on Twitter and at Fanboy Rich on Instagram. You might be surprised to hear that I'm pimping because I'm going to start occasionally posting stuff mainly graphics i'm doing for this wcw series so go follow me on there how about yourself uh i'm at the tax williams on twitter facebook and instagram instagram i rarely use but if you wanted to watch my daughter singing judas by fuzzy (laughs) (laughs) yeah have a look at my facebook page because apparently you should never really put your hobbies on your children (laughs) and she bloody loves a bit of fuzzy my, Shame. my daughter and me now both if i put my hands like above my head together and go <laughs> she does it too <laughs> i just need to get her to do the wrist rank the wrist wankery thing <laughs> so she can do a full <laughs> roman reigns impression it's great fun i did once teach my daughter to to do the bang with the hands nice. <laughs> so above her head and go bang ddp style yeah how good's roman yeah. reigns right now by the way he is well th- they finally let him be what he should have been for years yeah it's just, just so much a fun tough to watch. SOB. Yeah, i'm really enjoying it anyway let's leave it there thank you everyone catch you next week for wcw monday oh. nitro number wait, wait, 37 wait, 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 wait. go ahead uh, and more importantly follow us on twitter at world of rest pod if you want to go back and look at our archives world of and help us out buy a t-shirt amazon.co.uk just search world of wrestling podcast it's a great design by rich happy days 
<laughs> That's a good show, that. Anyway, so yeah, ha- enjoy the outro. Bye, everyone. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. <laughs>